Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, episode 31. Today, Bitcoins are trading at $505. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Now that's gravy. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, and thanks for joining me as I podcast from East Nashville, Tennessee, with my trusty sidekick, Maxwell, by my side. Say hello, Maxwell. I'm just your average Bitcoin enthusiast who loves talking about Bitcoin and sharing what I learned with you, the listener. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. On today's show, we talk with James Sheely, a veteran UPS store owner in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. James started accepting Bitcoins at his UPS store a few weeks ago and has no plans of looking back. He tells us about how accepting Bitcoin gives small business owners a competitive advantage and how it just makes good sense. We also meet up with Nashville's own Andrew Lee, the lead developer of LibraTax. LibraTax is a fast and free way for Bitcoin and altcoin owners to calculate what taxes they owe, whether they plan to liquidate their holdings or not. All right. I am very pleased to welcome to the show James Sheely of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. James is the very first UPS store, to my knowledge, in the United States to accept Bitcoin payments. James, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Oh, yeah, yeah. So let's see here. You're in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and that is just south of Nashville, right? About 30 minutes south of Nashville, one of the fastest growing communities in Tennessee. One of the fastest growing communities because of MTSU, is that right? Yeah, one of the largest colleges in Tennessee. Okay, so you own and operate a UPS store. Right, I'm a franchisee and owner of the UPS store in Georgetown Square in Murfreesboro. Okay. Been there for 20 years. I opened that franchise in 1994. Wow, wow. I had no idea you'd been there that long. And how's it going overall before you started accepting Bitcoin? Is the store popular? Oh, absolutely. It's uh, It's been a great business for me and, and my family over the years. And Murfreesboro is a fantastic community to do business in. And it's uh, been real good for us. Okay. And you have how many employees? Just uh, four part-timers, mainly uh, MTSU college students. Okay, that's good. And those college students, they make pretty good employees, right? Oh, they've been great. I've really never had a problem with them. They, they have good work ethic, and, and they want to work, and it's they've been good. Nice. I remember back in college, I had many different jobs, and I can't say that I was always <laughs> a great employee, but uh, on certain jobs I was. I think it depended on what I was doing. When I was a bus driver, I was a very good employee. So let's see. You started accepting Bitcoin at your store when? Just a couple of weeks ago. How's it going so far? It's been good. The community in Nashville and the surrounding areas have been loyal to my business. And, you know, we're trying to expand that. It immediately gives me a competitive advantage of being able to offer shipping services and postal services where the post office does not and UPS mm-hmm. does not and my competitors do not and Staples and Office Max and everybody else does not. That was my main thing was to get a competitive advantage. Okay, that makes sense. And now something I know a lot of our listeners are going to be be interested in hearing about is that you actually sell Bitcoin at your store. Is that right? Yeah. I was set up as a merchant and also as a brick and mortar location to buy Bitcoin. It has to be cash because it's similar to money orders. It's a cash transaction, but it is the only physical location in Tennessee that we're aware of that you can buy Bitcoin. Okay. So people come into your store and they give you cash or they can pay with a credit or debit card? No, cash only transaction. Cash only transaction. And then obviously you're not selling Bitcoin for what the price is showing on zero block, for instance. You're charging a premium? It's 17%. From what they tell me for Bitcoin ATMs and and other physical locations around the country, that is a competitive rate, yes. Okay, competitive rate. All right, and so how has your business been going so far as far as actually selling Bitcoin? There was a lady who came in that we met at flight the other night. She had a special event that she wanted to give away Bitcoin as a gift or a prize. Oh, right. And uh, sold some Bitcoin to her. And uh, sold some to my employees and actually bought some myself. I think that was the gal from Southern Alpha. Yes. Is it Jen? I believe so. She's a nice gal. I'm supposed to do some event with her here in a couple of weeks in September. That's the event she's given the Bitcoin away at. Right. Okay, nice. So your employees, did you actually get your employees into Bitcoin before you started accepting Bitcoin? Did they know anything about it? Not really. The only way they knew anything about it is uh, one of our good customers, Sean Roy, who's a Bitcoin miner, 
comes into the store all the time and he's, you know, fired up and talking about it all the time. So they started asking questions and one thing led to another and they got their little Bitcoin uh, virtual wallet on their phones and they put 20 bucks in it and they're off and running. Nice, nice. Yeah, Sean Roy, he is one of the newly elected members of the interim board for the Tennessee Bitcoin Alliance, the TBA. And you're right, Sean is, uh, Sean, if you're listening, hello, (laughs) Sean is on fire when it comes to Bitcoin. So was Sean the one that got you interested first in Bitcoin? Absolutely. Hey, nice work there, Sean. And I think Sean is campaigning around the, the state now. He really, when he gets in the zone talking about Bitcoin, he really gets fired up. He's a lot of fun. Yeah, he's a lot of fun. And <laughs> at the event we had at the Toy Box studio, Sean, of course, was there and his wife, Angela, made some of the best chili I've ever had in my life. Well, I haven't had the pleasure of having their chili yet. So. Oh, man, <laughs> some good stuff. I'm still thinking about it. So as far as UPS as you know, the larger company, the mothership, do you anticipate UPS accepting Bitcoin at some point? I can't speak for uh, UPS corporate as a whole or for our uh, the UPS store franchise. We are all independently owned. Okay. And I have made the decision as my independent location to take Bitcoin. And other store owners might do that, but there is no uh, corporate uh, lead on that whatsoever. I see. So you're just completely, all of the individual stores are just completely independent, right? And you can do this if you want to, right? How did you know how to do this How for other people out there, not just with UPS stores, but other businesses? How do you know how to do this? How do you figure out not just how to accept Bitcoin? Because you can go through Coinbase or you can go through BitPay, but how do you figure out how to sell Bitcoin? Well, let me say the first resource you should go to is the newly formed Tennessee Bitcoin Alliance. Okay. Which, again, Sean Roy is a part of and John Meese. Yeah, John Meese, Luke Stokes. Yep. They have a lot of resources on their website as to what is Bitcoin, how do you set up Bitcoin, and they will come out and get you going. Hmm. Uh, What they did for me is they got me a little tablet with the point of sale Bitcoin uh, software on it. Okay. And that is how we transmit our Bitcoin sales. Okay. So talk to the Tennessee Bitcoin Alliance. That's good advice. And so when it comes to actually selling Bitcoin, there are people I'm sure that would say, hey, how can you sell Bitcoin? How do you know the legalities behind that so that you're not considered a money transmitter or something like that? Well, it it is very similar to Western Union being a money transmitter, and you fall under the same uh, common sense rules and regulations as money transmitting. Okay. You keep your books in the same way that you keep your books for Western Union? Absolutely. Okay. And you also do offer... People can come in and they can buy through MoneyGram or Western Union. I used to handle Western Union, but uh, the Kroger right next to me handles it, so I do not do Western Union anymore. It just wasn't uh, cost-effective for you? Just no, not when you go right next door to Kroger and do it. So I see. That makes sense. When you were doing Western Union, is that also, I shouldn't call it a premium, what is that called that they charge over? Fee. It's just a fee. Money order fee. So yeah. when you were doing Western Union, what was the standard fee that would be charged? Well, I didn't do wire transfers. I only sold money orders. Okay. So, you know, a buck and a half for a money order. Right, right. I don't know how the commission fee works on money transmittals for Western Union. So can you give us a little bit of a background, James, about your business experience over the past, let's say, 20, 30 years? Yeah. In the middle 1980s, I was a VP of operations for a large uh, mail order computer company. We uh, sold Commodore 64s and Commodore 128s and Apples and then uh, IBM compatible started to come into play at that time and uh, we were one of the first companies to offer direct mail to home computer sales at the time in the Chicago area. Wow. And uh, as IBM compatibles uh, came down in price, what we had to offer wasn't so valuable anymore. So our company slowly dissolved and I was out looking for work. So I saw the Mailboxes Etc. franchise growing like Subway used to many years ago oh, in yeah. the Chicago area. They were popping up on every corner. Yeah. Did a little homework and uh, was actually researching the Nashville area to live and found an ad to, you know, a franchise ad to open a location. And I loaded up the truck and headed to Nashville and uh, sold everything I had up there. Snow blower, snow plow, <laughs> antique car. Oh, man. <laughs> everything. Headed to Nashville, opened the franchise and uh, been in the franchise business ever since. Well, wow, that's cool. Is that something that... Uh Young people starting out today or business people starting out today, is that something that's still viable? Can people still do that or is it a lot more difficult to get in now? No, I mean, starting a franchise is, uh, you know, you got to do your homework. You need Mm -hmm. to talk to people, talk to other owners and Mm -hmm. 
do your homework and researches and make sure your finances are going to work. And yeah, sure, you can absolutely. It's still viable. Have a little money down. So now, did you drive that Harley from? Uh, you drove a truck from Chicago because <laughs> no. you got a nice Harley I saw outside. Yeah, no, I found that actually on Craigslist in Nashville about four years ago. It's a 2003 man. That's that's a sweet machine there. Yeah, thanks. I think I've only ridden a uh, Harley Lowrider once in my entire life. One time on a Harley. How sad is that, man? Yeah, well, I was lucky to find it, so that, I'll keep that for a while. And that's a 2000. 2003? Yeah, 100th anniversary. Nice, man. That's great. For our listeners who are small business owners and who are thinking about accepting Bitcoin, can you give them any advice or can you talk a little bit about why you think it's a good thing to accept Bitcoin or why right now maybe it's a little bit premature to say, yes, accepting Bitcoin for your business is the greatest thing in the world. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. I am one of very few merchants in the Middle Tennessee area that decided to go ahead and try Bitcoin. And what other businesses are hesitating about is, you know, what is Bitcoin? You know, I don't understand. Why should I take it? Who spends it? You know, is it a scam? Is you know, is it going to blow up? All this, there's just there's so much skepticism out there. But you don't have to be. I mean, it's been around five years. Mm-hmm. There are people spending it all over the world. As you probably know, Dell recently announced that yeah. they're taking Bitcoin and, and what was it, Overstock.com's Overstock, already and Tiger, Tiger Direct Vag, and there's Dish TV. Dish yeah. TV and bunch of them. Uh, what is it, the LA Clippers or something like that? I mean, there's some major players taking Bitcoin. Yeah. So you don't have to get too caught up in what's Bitcoin and is it real and all this stuff. There's really no risk to setting up your merchant account. And what you're doing is you're tapping into a customer base that at present time is kind of a, I'll call it an underground because I can't think of a better word right now. But yeah. uh, I think the word underground applies. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, they have a currency that they need to spend. Right. And, and they don't have a lot of choices. So by becoming a Bitcoin merchant, you are now accepting a currency that if your competitor is not accepting it, that person that has Bitcoin is going to go, oh, I can ship a package over at James's UPS store, but I can't go down to the post office and do that. Right. I'm going to go over there. So the immediate positive is this Bitcoin population that already exists is going to be loyal to your business right off the get-go because they need places to go to spend their Bitcoin. I like it. So there's no reason to hesitate on that regard. Mm -hmm. There is a customer base out there. They will be loyal to your business. Now, is that going to increase your business 5, 10, 15, 20%? I can't answer that. And I doubt it because there's a small segment of the population. At this stage. At this stage. Right. But it is absolutely a growing, exciting, positive direction that it's going. Mm -hmm. Every time you meet anybody who's involved in Bitcoin, they're educated, they're positive, they're focused. They totally understand what this virtual currency does now and what it's going to do in the future. It can only help you to be part of that. And again, you're not exposing your company to any risk or anything. It's just another way of accepting a currency. It's it's very little difference from a debit card, except it's a virtual currency and not a credit card. Yeah, I think the way you described it is great. You know, it's really a no-brainer if it's not going to hurt your business at all, right, in any way, but it's going to give you a competitive advantage, then why not do that? I guess... Maybe some merchants out there, they're thinking, wow, if I put that um, Bitcoin accepted here sign in the window, you know, the old ladies will come by and, you know, shake their umbrellas at you or, you know, the people will come in and they say, oh, you're one of those. You're a, and they'll all of a sudden think that they know your political slant and they'll stay away from your business because you're one of those guys and they're on the other side. But I think that's a worry that is being generated by the media and and the media often does that where they generate these fearful thoughts don't do this we're here to protect you for anything that they're afraid of in the same way we all talk about how in the early days of the internet there was all the fear mongering right it's going to cause everyone to become a pornographic freak or something so i think we all now know in the bitcoin community and i think the world is learning also that you know those fears are kind of unfounded but have you had anybody come in and give you any flack about accepting bitcoin or express their fears to you or try to pigeonhole you in terms of your beliefs in any way bitcoin is based on such incredibly uh high tech technology that a lot of people first of all they don't understand it and what Mm -hmm. you don't understand you're somewhat fearful of and yes there was some bad press what is a year year and a half ago right some things blew up and and there was some bad press about and then the mount gox thing which happened what six months four or five six months ago for me as a merchant 
that doesn't matter. It is a viable currency. It gives me a competitive advantage. It's growing. We don't know where the growth is going to go, but who cares? I mean, it's good PR for me to accept Bitcoin. It's good for the business. It's going to bring in the Bitcoin population that can't go anywhere else. Mm Mm-hmm. And the currency is going to grow the way it's going to grow. But in the meantime, I'm the first one in and I'm happy to do it. How long have you been accepting Bitcoin now? Two to three weeks. Two to three weeks. Okay. So it's just very brand new for you. And I would love to have you back on the show. Let's say, I don't know, two or three months from now. Yeah. I get through Christmas time and we'll see how it goes. And, uh, but again, I did get an immediate response from the Bitcoin community that owns Bitcoin, needs to spend it. They've already been in my store. So nice. it was worth it right off the bat. And now I can grow with the rest of it. And again, you can't go to the post office and buy a book of stamps of Bitcoin, but you can come over to my place and do it. So, you know, for all of you other merchants out there that might be listening, whether you be a landscaper or a little small little retail shop, you know, is your competitor accepting Bitcoin? If the answer is no. Reach out to the Tennessee Bitcoin Alliance. Get some information. Have somebody come visit you and see what it's all about. And just get that tiny bit of uh, competitive advantage, which is hard to do nowadays. Getting any little advantage you can get, you need to jump on it. Absolutely. That's good advice. And, you know, for online businesses, we know from the people we've interviewed and from all the reading that we've done here in the Bitcoin community, we know that online businesses are seeing a 10, 20, 30% increase in their sales once they start accepting Bitcoin and start accepting like. Of course, we know the online businesses are very different from the brick and mortar businesses. It's just a different world. They reach people all over the world. Right. Whatever numbers they are, it's because they're reaching people all over the world that have Bitcoin. Now, when you go down to a local area, you know, you don't know who has Bitcoin in your your five-mile trade area or 10 or 15 or whatever it might be. Yeah. But uh, it's worth finding out. Put it in. You're listed on a Bitcoin map on the internet and Mm -hmm. you get PR from that and You know, you might be interviewed on this radio show or be asked to go to a function or, you know, it's good PR and it can't hurt your business. Right. Now, you just mentioned function. We've got just a few minutes left. Did you go to the function last night there in Murfreesboro? I did. A merchant seminar. Merchant seminar. John Meese led that. And how was that? Did you feel like that was a good thing for merchants to experience? Absolutely. If you're poking around the internet and you see one of those, uh, go check it out. Gives you a little bit of understanding about Bitcoin and and why you should take it in your business. Quell some of your fears, right? If you're a business that's on the fence about it, thinking about accepting Bitcoin. James Sheely is here to tell you that so far for him, it's been a good thing, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm an old school guy. I mean, I'm over 50 for anybody who was wondering. <laughs> and uh, I was, you know, cash was king. You know, I was taught to pay cash, cash, make sure you got cash, cash right. in your wallet, cash, cash, cash. So anybody I know, they have a real difficult time understanding virtual currency. Yeah. You know, if they can't feel it, touch it in their hand. Right. This is a problem for a lot of people trying to understand Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. But I got it right away because the college generation that works for me, they do everything on their iPhones. They Mm. rarely carry cash. Mm. They got their debit card. They got their credit card, and they do everything else on their phone. So what a perfect fit for them to have Bitcoin in their virtual wallet on their phone and not have to carry those debit cards and credit cards. It, It fits right into their lifestyle. So I totally understand where this is going. And I think everybody else should take a look at it. Well, it's like the old guard when credit cards came along. I'm sure there were many, many people that said, I will never have a credit card or a debit card. It's cash only, right? And now look at all of us. We're carrying a debit card or a credit card. So I think it's the same thing. But yeah, I love the image of the young people there on the campus at MTSU. And they're walking around with their phones. And really, the next logical step is that they're using their phones to pay for everything, right? Absolutely. Just really a no-brainer. I hope they do it. I hope so, too. Well, hey, James, thank you so much for being on the show. This was great having you here at the Treehouse Studio. Thank you so much for joining me today. You are very welcome. And uh, anytime you need me to comment on Bitcoin, give me a call. We'll do it again. And hey, next time I'm in Murfreesboro and I need to send a package, I'm going to stop by your store. And use your Bitcoin. I'm going to do it, man. Okay, thank you. Hey, thanks a lot. Oh, I know that knock. Oh, yeah. Hey, 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 Seamus McCurdy. Well, if it ain't John Boy Wongson. How are you, John Boy? Come on in, Seamus. Man, it is great to see you. 
Hey, grab a mic. John boy, what are you doing in here? Microphones, computers. Doing the show. Hey, sit down. Have a seat, man. Grab a mic. Oh, you sure, John? I'm sure, I'm sure. Hey, listeners, this is my mailman, Seamus McCurdy. He just stopped by to deliver the mail, and oftentimes we sit and talk and solve the problems of the world. Seamus, welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy. Oh, thanks, John. It's great to be here. Hey, could you get a little closer to the mic? How's that, John? Hey, that's perfect, man. So just kick back and relax, and uh, welcome to the show. Ah, oh, thanks, John. It's great to be here on Bitcoins and Gravy. And it's a great day. Sun is shining. I've nearly finished me route early, and I'm taking Mary to the movies tonight. So, where's Lidge? Well, my friend, I have some bad news. Uh, Lidge has actually left the show. Don't tell me that, John. It can't be true. Well, Lidge has a busy life, and he's just taking care of the things he needs to take care of. Um, you know, we're still good friends. He's still helping me with my music, the Bitcoin songs. Uh, we actually have a new one coming out here in a couple of weeks uh, called The Bitcoin Trader. But anyway, you know, Lidge has a daughter, and he's got a life, and uh, we've been doing this podcast for, what, almost seven months now, and basically we've been doing it on a volunteer basis. So I just think Lidge uh, really needed a break. And so I'm doing the show solo, and it's uh, it's going to be tough. It is tough. Ah, oh, John boy, you're breaking me heart here. I can't believe Lidge is gone. Lidge was half of the show. Without Lidge, it'll only be half the show it was. Oh, what? no, John, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean uh, half the show, but you know what I mean. Take it easy, Seamus. I know what you mean, um, and I, I feel that way too. It's, uh, it's going to be half the show that it was. Um, it breaks my heart, but um, I don't know what to do. Oh, there, there, John boy. I hate to see you in this way. Well, I really appreciate it, Seamus. You're a good friend. And, uh, no, uh, you know, don't worry about me. I'm going to be fine, really. I know you'll be fine, John, but there must be something we can do to get him back. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so, Seamus. When Lidge sets his mind to something, it's like a bear trap closing down and there's no way to open it back up. I know what we'll do, John. We'll give a call out to all your listeners. If you're wanting Lidge to come back to the show, then let him know. That's actually a pretty good idea. Um, okay, well, let's do it. Listeners worldwide, if you want Lidge to come back to the show, then give us a call on the Bitcoins and Gravy hotline at 615-208-5198 or send an email to howdy at bitcoinsandgravy.com and put in the subject line, Lidge, come back to the show. And then feel free to give Lidge every reason you can think of for why he should come back and be a part of Bitcoins and Gravy once again. Oh, John boy, another brilliant idea of yours. You did it again, lad. Um, actually, Seamus, that was your idea, if you remember. So it was, John boy, so it was. We'll all be off now. I don't want to keep Mary waiting one minute longer than she should. Right, Seamus, hey, thanks for stopping by. It was great to see you. Oh, don't worry, John. I can feel it in me heart. As sure as the sun shines in the morning, Lidge will be back to the show. See you later, lad. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Seamus. Whether techie, trader, investor, nerd, you still might want the magic word. And today's magic word is music. Now climb aboard, y'all. This train is bound for glory. And there's plenty of room for all. Well, Satoshi Nakamoto, that's a name I love to say And we don't know much about him, but he came to save the day When he wrote about the way things are and the way things are to be He gave us all a protocol this world had never seen Or Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain Or Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name Told about the death 
mouth of old Mount Gox About traders trading altar coins And miners mining blocks But them good old boys back in Illinois And on down through Tennessee See, they don't care to be a millionaire They're just wanting to be free Our Bitcoin as you're going into the old blockchain Our Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain Going to rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows Till everybody knows your name A promise to deliver us from age-old tyranny A Bitcoin as you're going into the old blockchain A Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your Give me some exposure Everybody knows your name, sing it Oh Lord, pass me some more I am very pleased to welcome to the show Andrew Lee, who is the lead developer for Libra Tax. Andrew, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. We have a very uh, unique show here today at the Treehouse Studio here in East Nashville, Tennessee, because we have a guy outside with a chainsaw, chainsawing trees. So I don't know if that's going to come through or not, but uh, we're here to do the interview. Andrew's been nice enough to join us, and if the guy with the chainsaw can <laughs> keep it to a minimum, we have no control over him. So all we can hope for is that he doesn't break into the house and chainsaw us. So Andrew, first of all, before we get into Libra Tax and to the meat of it, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your tech background and also how you first got into Bitcoin and digital currencies? Sure. So I studied graphic design in college but I've always been kind of a tech guy, and that led to me making websites for friends and for small companies. I moved to San Francisco to work at some startups, and that's really when I got deep into the tech community. Okay, what year was that? This was 2010. 2010, okay. And so you got into the tech community, and on what level? I was designing web apps. What led you to Bitcoin? My roommate at the time was seriously into Bitcoin, and he would have these USB mining things that were running in our apartment. Probably raised the power bill a lot, but... But it warmed it up too, right? It did. San Francisco, you know what Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain, said about San Francisco. He said, the coldest winter I've ever spent was a summer in San Francisco. (laughs) And that is a cold city. It can be anyway, but also a beautiful city. I always say it's the closest thing that we have here in the U.S. to a European city. Beautiful place. So your roommate got you involved in Bitcoin. He was a Bitcoin fanatic, I guess, right? Yeah, you could say that. And then did that fanaticism catch on with you? Are you now a Bitcoin fanatic? <laughs> I, I would have to say, yeah. Okay, nice. And have you done any further mining on your own? I think the time that I got around to it, uh, spring of 2003, 13. It was a little past the mining window. Right. Okay. So you didn't get to mine and, you know, like a lot of people, it's kind of nice now that the average person can't mine Bitcoins because when they ask, that's the first thing newcomers ask, how can I mine Bitcoin? And now instead of trying to explain it, all I have to do is say, you can't. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. We're past that point now. Past that point. They can mine altcoins and that's obviously viable and that's what a lot of people are doing. Right. So Libra Tax. Tell us about Libra Tax. 
LibreTax is accounting software for digital currencies. And LibreTax is a cross-coin ventures company, is that right? Yes, we were one of their first companies in their accelerator program. Okay, and that's a private investment company working in cooperation with Ripple Labs? Right. We share the same office space as Ripple Labs, but they're a private investment company. And how is it going so far? It's going great. When did you guys launch? We just launched our public beta last Wednesday. What kind of response are you getting so far? So far, it's been pretty great. A lot of people have been interested in altcoins, Mm -hmm. and primarily we're focused on BTC and Ripple. Mm -hmm. But you could, of course, enter in any alt currency that you want. I see. So it's set up for really any alt currency. Yeah. You just lose some of the features that we have, like fair market value, if you don't know the price at the time that you enter in your transactions. Okay. And when you say Bitcoin and Ripple, does that also include, as far as the big ones, does that also include LTC, Litecoin? That's one of the ones that you'd have to enter in manually. From what I've heard over the past couple of years in terms of merchant acceptance and whatnot, that it's always BTC is the gold and LTC is the silver, right? Bitcoin and Litecoin hand in hand. So from what you're telling me now, it sounds like Bitcoin and Ripple hand in hand. And those two communities seem not always to agree. I would agree that Litecoin is the silver to Bitcoin's gold. Ripple is kind of a different beast. They're all about the gateways and exchanges. So it doesn't really matter which currencies you're trading from. Ripple is going to be the intermediary between them. They're trying to make that exchange seamless. So regardless of what you're trying to convert, what currency you're converting into another currency, there's going to be some gateway that exists out in the world that will be the intermediary for that transaction. Now, is that what Ripple's trying to do, be the intermediary? They're providing the platform where people can do that. I see. And um, are you yourself invested in, uh, what is it, XRP? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Do you have some XRP? I have some. Are people investing in Ripple hoping that XRP is going to go up in value? I'm sure someone out there is. Do you think that it will? I certainly hope so, since uh, I own some. Yeah, I hear you. Well, that's a good answer. I actually own some, too. I'm not going not gonna to tell you how many, but I'll tell you it's under a million. Anyway, so, okay, let's talk more about Libra Tax. Libra Tax is comprised of how many people? Right now, there's four of us. Okay. And can you talk a little bit about the rest of the team? Sure. So our CEO is Jake Benson. He was a former consultant for Capgemini doing payroll. He started LibreTax around the time that the IRS issued their guidance. Okay. So early 2014, he had this idea and we have mutual friends. So that's kind of how we got involved in creating this thing. Okay, so the reaction to the IRS guidance obviously has been huge. A lot of people are angry that the IRS is even butting their noses into this, right? And a lot of people are thinking, well, this is good because all of a sudden it gives legitimacy in quotation marks to Bitcoin, which a lot of other people will argue Bitcoin doesn't need to be legitimized, right? By forces that some people consider to be illegitimate themselves. There are people who consider the IRS to be illegitimate, that what they collect taxes for, the foreign wars, and all of that is not necessarily legitimate. There are other people who think that the IRS is completely legitimate and that we should all pay our taxes and that if we stopped paying our taxes, we wouldn't have a police force or a fire department or public schools. And, you know, I think I stand somewhere in between there. I would like to see less foreign wars. I'd like to see better public schools. I don't want the fire department to go away, but I certainly hope the uh, police state doesn't take over. But when it comes to taxes, when it comes to people being taxed for Bitcoin, that's now like being taxed for personal property, uh, as if you collected fine art or something like that. Different from a commodity, right? It's taxed as a property. So you pay capital gains if it appreciates in value. Okay, in the same way that you would be paying capital gains if you owned a piece of land and you sold it and the price had gone up? Right. Or a house or, or anything like that? stocks or anything like that. Stocks or anything like that? Okay. Where do you stand on that? Obviously, with Libra tax, you think it's important for people to pay their taxes. You know, I'm with most of the people in this country. Um, paying taxes isn't exactly a cathartic experience, <laughs> but... Um, I am an American citizen, and if I have to pay taxes on it, then I'll do that. Right. Uh, The beauty of Bitcoin, though, is that it is global. So if you live in a pro-digital currency country, then really it's up to you what you want to do with it. Right. So do you think that there are people right now who are dealing in Bitcoins, buying, selling, uh, or just holding on to Bitcoins who are completely anonymous, people who have Bitcoin and nobody in the entire world knows that they have it? It seems possible to me, right? Certainly possible. But when you think about it, 
every transaction is publicly viewable. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't seem very anonymous at all, does it? Well, I don't know. I mean, I always imagine that somebody has, let's say, $1,000, okay, right now, and they want to buy some Bitcoin with it. So they go to their friend who has some Bitcoin and they say, hey, sell me some Bitcoin. So the person sells them some Bitcoin and let's say they put it on their phone, on a wallet on their phone, and then they take that and they transfer it over to a paper wallet that they just generated, a key pair that has never existed before, right? So it's on the paper wallet now. Nobody can really know who owns that, right? That seems to me like that would be 100% anonymous. Does that exist on the blockchain, though? It exists on the blockchain, but by anonymous, I mean that nobody knows who owns that. Right, there's no personally identifiable information. No personally identifiable, whereas we know if you go to Coinbase and buy some Bitcoin, right, and then you put it into a paper wallet, and later on you buy something online with that from an online store, tealit.com, let's say they sell fair trade teas, and you use Bitcoin, well, all of a sudden, there's a trail back to your Coinbase account, this person who first bought Bitcoin on Coinbase, and you can say, okay, well, let's follow them. Well, they bought tea here in 2014, 2015. They bought a car. 2016, they bought a Learjet. 2017, they bought an island, you know, in the Pacific. Wait, what's going on here? What do you mean what's going on here? The value of Bitcoin's going up. Isn't it obvious? But anyway, so yeah, I think it can be anonymous, and I think that um, it can be, as they call it, pseudonymous or pseudo-anonymous. And then, of course, there are the people who have Bitcoin, and they have altcoins and they've seen it go up in value and they spend it and they use it and they want to pay taxes on it because they don't want to be caught with their pants down at some point, right? They don't want the IRS to come and audit them at some point and say, hey, you haven't been paying your taxes over the past X number of years. And that's what Libra Tax is here to help people with, right? Right. So take, for instance, a company that wants to offer their goods or services for Bitcoin. Whenever the Bitcoin community approaches these companies, the benefits of adopting Bitcoin are usually well, there's no fees. Mm-hmm. And that, in comparison to getting audited by the IRS, is not worth the risk. Hmm. Good point. So, and regardless of your political stance or how you feel about taxes, everybody needs accounting. Mm-hmm. You know, you're buying coins or getting coins through some way, and you want to see whether they appreciate or depreciate. Are people required to pay taxes on their bitcoins if they're just holding on to bitcoins or is it only when you go to sell those bitcoins or buy something with those bitcoins how does that work when you buy something or you sell bitcoins that's a taxable event but just holding on to bitcoin is not a taxable event right you only pay a percentage of the gains that are realized after you've spent i see so in that sense it's different than owning a house for instance so (laughs) for my house you know i have to every year continue to pay taxes on this house. I have to pay property taxes, right? And uh, then if I sell the house, I'm going to have to pay capital gains on that. So how exactly does it work? If somebody comes to you, they would go to LibraTax.com. Can you kind of walk somebody through from the first time they land on the page what they would do? Sure. So you would go to LibraTax.com and sign up for an account. And from there, we have a variety of methods that you could import your transaction history. The most popular one is if you have a Coinbase wallet. It's one of the most widely used ones here in America. Okay. You can link your account and it will pull in your entire transaction and trade history to your account. We also offer CSV uploads for a few exchanges. What's that stand for, CSV? Uh, Comma-separated values. It's just a text file with all of your transactions in it. Okay. Or you could enter them manually one by one. And are you seeing a lot of people doing this now? Yeah, there's been a surprising amount of people interested in it, if not to pay taxes, just to see how much they've gained in Bitcoin. I see. And has there been any fear expressed that if they go and they start putting these numbers in to Libra tax, that that information, their private information or Bitcoin information is going to be shared around with anybody? So right now, when you sign up, we only ask for an email and a password. Okay. There's no personally identifiable information. Email and a password. So that would be easy to still remain anonymous, mm-hmm. right? especially if someone were blocking their IP address, right? So they could still remain completely anonymous at this point, and they could get information about what they would owe if they decided to pay their taxes. Right. Right. Now, is there a cost to signing up with Libra Tax and to putting your numbers in there? 
at the moment it's free. Wow. But we will be offering premium version for CPAs and anyone who's got some heavy duty stuff like merchants. Okay. So right now it's free. Do you think that down the road, this is something that you would be charging for this service? Because it seems like a very valuable service for a lot of people. Maybe whenever we have some premium features Uh for now, it's going to be free. For now, it's going to be free. So what else can you think of that the listeners would want to hear about Libra Tax? I would say that digital currency isn't going to go away anytime soon. It's definitely the way of the future. And there needs to be systems in place to deal with that. Because right now, nobody's really thinking about these problems. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Are you real bullish on Bitcoin? What do you think it's going to take for Bitcoin to become widely adopted? Because I think when we're in the Bitcoin community, sometimes it feels like we're going to these meetups or going to these conferences, if we can afford it. (laughs) And um, it feels like the whole world is on fire with Bitcoin. But then we step back to reality and we can just be at a festival and we can walk up to someone who's making pottery and we can say, hey, do you accept Bitcoin? And they just, you know, first answer you always get, what is Bitcoin? What do you think is the future of Bitcoin and Bitcoin? acceptance. I have friends who aren't on board and they make fun of me all the time for (laughs) being involved as I am in Bitcoin. But I think we're also in kind of a chicken and egg situation. Mm -hmm. So really, there's not many reasons for a consumer to want to go and spend Bitcoin like they do regular dollars. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go buy a soda with Bitcoin right now. Right. So that's kind of holding back merchants from wanting to offer it. Like I mentioned earlier, there's associated risks with accepting the currency if you're not totally um, accounting for all of it. Right. So in that sense, somebody's got to have a reason to initiate that transaction. You know, you mentioned not wanting to go buy a soda with it right now. I think Jesse Alvey here in Nashville with the uh, Nashville Bitcoin Network, I think he's working on building a Bitcoin soda vending machine, isn't he? He is, yeah. I mean, that would be great in the future. I'm also uh, kind of a speculator too. So once I buy that soda, I probably could have bought a whole pack of them. Yeah, you mean if looking into the future or the machine itself, you never know. So yeah, it's funny how people are so optimistic about Bitcoin in the future and the value going up and up and up. And right now we're looking at, you know, Bitcoin holding at what, around 500 or something. Is this the new low for Bitcoin right now? And is this just the springboard from which it's going to, as we always say, to the moon? Part of me is worried that when you get Wall Street involved and when you get the hedge fund guys involved with Bitcoin, that they will be able to, or, you know, the central banks, they will be able to manipulate the price of Bitcoin and control the price of Bitcoin. You know, not just that some of them are whales, let's say, right, who own a lot of Bitcoin, but just in the way that they set up the trading. Do you have any thoughts on that? It's definitely going to be a different ballgame whenever these larger corporations and people with money that have enough to throw around get involved with Bitcoin. It's kind of been nice over the past few years because you have tech guys and nerds and stuff who aren't that involved in finance, but it's interesting to them. So That's been kind of a gateway for a lot of people like me to get interested in things like trading. I see. Do you do a little trading? Right now, no. I see. But there's some interest there? Sure, yeah. Yeah, I've tried to do a little bit of trading, but uh, I mean, it's hard, you know? People don't realize that it's not an easy thing. It's just as easy to lose as it is to win. It looks easy, you know? All I have to do is this and this, and I'll win. But yeah, if you do this and this and you're wrong, you got a 50-50 shot, then you lose. Here in the next couple of weeks, uh, my new song, The Bitcoin Trader, (laughs) is coming out. And it's a fast-paced song that I think, uh, hope people will really enjoy. It is kind of a tongue-in-cheek song. It is uh, from the perspective of of the kind of arrogant Bitcoin trader who never fails and always wins. And that's what he lives for is trading Bitcoin and just winning over and over again. So I hope it's well received. So let's see here. Do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to leave the listeners with uh, when it comes to Libra tax or when it comes to finding out what you might owe if you've been dealing in Bitcoin, buying, selling, uh, trading with Bitcoin. Any closing remarks that you might leave with the listeners or any words of advice? As someone who used to track all of their purchases and sales in a spreadsheet, I can tell you that LibreTax is a much better way okay. of keeping up with things like that. Easier, just very user-friendly? Yes. Okay. I mean, I've just glanced at it, but I have not gone and put in any information at all. And the reason for me is that I don't really spend Bitcoin. I'm one of those people who just has some Bitcoin, not a lot, and I just hold on to it. I don't know if the day will ever come when Bitcoin is valuable enough for me to liquidate those paper wallets 
thoughts. Who knows? Maybe I'll just be passing them on to my grandkids and saying, uh, you know, keep your fingers crossed like I have. You're carrying the torch now. But, you know, I think that it's okay. I've been among the people accused of hoarding Bitcoin. And I've said it many times that, you know, we're in an era where holding on to your Bitcoin looks to some like hoarding, but it looks to me like just being practical. I'm holding on to this because I'm thinking of it as a savings account that, you know, very well may come to fruition someday. There's no guarantee, but, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with saving. I think saving is actually what our grandparents used to do, which allowed them to do things uh, that we can't do these days. Well, we can't do these days without going into debt, right? And I think that's now what's in style, uh, you know, go into debt. And I think it almost seems like it's a national pastime. If I don't have the money to buy what I want right now, what am I going to do? I'm going to go into debt. It's no longer just an option. It's almost something that people expect. It's almost like part of our birthright. Don't I have the right to credit? Don't I have the right to go into debt? And, you know, I can't tell, are we learning this from our government? Has our government learned it from us? You know, who started this insanity of saving is bad and spending is the way to go? I would say that's the credit card companies. Ah, the credit card companies, man. Someone a while back said credit card. I think it was Andreas Antonopoulos when I first heard him say credit cards were invented in the 50s. They were never meant to be online. A couple things I wanted to add to go along with credit cards being invented in the 50s. Mm -hmm. We're at an interesting time now where the world is more connected than it has ever been. And there's a lot of technological advancements since credit cards have been around that just trump them in every aspect. So with Bitcoin, there's no chargebacks. And it seems like kind of a dumb thing to say, oh, well, no refunds. But by doing that, you're actually eliminating tons of man hours of hmm. having to go in and look at transactions and say that they're fraudulent and refund someone's money. And there's also uh, two-factor authentication. This is something that wasn't really in use prior to Bitcoin, but now it's becoming a standard security measure. So just in a nutshell for our listeners who may not know what two-factor authentication is. Tell us in a nutshell, what is two-factor authentication and how can it help people, you know, not get ripped off? So if I were to send some money from my Coinbase account, not only would I have to initiate that send while logged in, but I'd have to confirm it using a different device. That way, no one can just get my login information and just go crazy spending my balance. They would have to have my cell phone too in this case. Okay, and they would have to be able to get into your cell phone. And I assume that if you have your two-factor authenticator set up on your phone, I assume you have a lock on your phone of some sort. Right. So they'd have to get your phone. And even if they had your phone, they'd have to get past the lock. So yeah, that's very valuable. And it's not just phone. Aren't there other devices that can be used? Yeah, you can get uh, 2FA apps on your computer. Okay. That work the same way. You just have to enter in a code to confirm that the transaction actually happened. And they're going to send that to you by way of email? It could be through email or through their app. Those are things that people really need to think about. I think right now we're in an era where people are so used to knowing that there's somebody standing by. You know, if my credit card gets hacked because I used it too many times at Target, that there's some guy standing around who's going to help me. I call my bank. Help, help. Something happened. They stole my identity, which actually just happened to a good friend of mine. Someone somehow got her credit card information and was buying things down in Miami, right? And it was difficult for her to get the whole thing resolved. But, you know, we all know that when we're using credit cards, I think we all feel safe knowing that there's somebody out there who's going to watch out for us if somebody tries to steal our identity or if somebody tries to steal our credit card information. And I think that makes us feel comfortable knowing that when you tell people, well, we don't have that with Bitcoin, that makes people feel very uncomfortable because it's outside of what they're used to. And I completely understand that, but it just seems to me like we're in an era where we're always looking for somebody else to take care of us in a certain way. And we're not willing to, you know, figure it out for ourselves and figure out, well, how can I keep my money safe? You know, do I have to always use a safe deposit box? Do I have to hide it under the mattress? Uh, or, you know, can I use something like Bitcoin, be smart about it, figure out how to use it, figure out how to use two-factor authentication and be 10 times safer, a thousand times, infinitely safer than using a credit card, right? Right. Well, for those people, I'm sure that someone out there is going to create a business 
that will hold your hand and it will still operate on Bitcoin in the background, but you'll have that peace of mind. Yeah, I'm sure that's coming. Escrow services and the like, and uh, just somebody who's going to offer insurance. That's definitely coming. There's a market for that. I'm sure there are people already working on that, right? Probably. Probably. Andrew, it was great having you on the show. Thank you very much for introducing our listeners to Libra Tax, and they can find that by going to LibraTax.com. And are there other ways that they can get in touch with you? LibraTax.com. LibraTax.com. Do you guys have a Facebook page? We do. Okay. Just go to Facebook and put in Libra Tax. How about Twitter? Are they tweeting about you now? People are tweeting. People are tweeting. <laughs> nice, man. I think I... I think I hear them tweeting right now. Hey, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, good luck with everything with Libra Tax. And I'm sure you're a young man. You're very intelligent. I am going to guess this is probably not the last tech project that you will be involved in when it comes to the Bitcoin community. So I look forward to talking with you down the road about Libra Tax and also about your other projects. Thanks a lot, Andrew. All right. Thanks, John. Bitcoins and Gravy is made possible by the Tennessee Bitcoin Alliance, the first state-focused nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting blockchain technologies for a free and equitable society. To learn more about the Tennessee Bitcoin Alliance, visit TennesseeBitcoin.org. I'd like to thank our guest today on the show, James Sheely from the UPS Store in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and Andrew Lee of LibraTax.com. To find out more about my guests and sponsors, check out the show notes on the Let's Talk Bitcoin page or SoundCloud or on BitcoinsAndGravy.com slash episode 31. Thanks for tuning into the show. And if you really do like the show and you aren't just faking it, please tell your friends about it or send them a link to the show. And remember the Bitcoins and Gravy hotline. Have you ever wanted to be a podcaster? Then call Bitcoins and Gravy at 615-208-5198 and leave a message with your comments, questions, or complaints. This is your chance to give me a piece of your mind and tell me what you really think about the show. And if you give me permission, I'll put your call-in comments on the show. I also thank you for your generous donations in Bitcoin or Litecoin that help me keep the lights on and coffee in the kettle. Signing off now from East Nashville, Tennessee, I'm your host, John Barrett, with my trusty companion, Maxwell. Say goodbye, Maxwell. <laughs> Y'all be good to each other out there now you hear, and remember the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. Thanks for listening to Bitcoins and Gravy from East Nashville, Tennessee.